The second reason I wanted to share it is because what we're going to be presenting now for the rest of the day and throughout tomorrow is going to totally blow out the mental circuits for many of you. And some of you are going to say, some of you are going to say, there is no way that we will ever be able to do this. Only in America, yes. Actually, that's not true, as true as you might think. It'd be Aber more correct to say only in Korea. <laughs> and some other places I could describe. I am not sharing these, these principles on cell groups to convince you that every church ought to do this. I was, I was interviewed last night by the, uh, the magazine. And one of the questions I was asked was about this cell group stuff. The question was raised, many churches have, you know, all the traditional groups of youth groups, women groups, uh, you know, this, this prayer meeting, you know, other kinds of structures. And they, and they said, well, why would you need cell groups if you already have all these other groups? My answer might surprise you. They may not need cell groups. If those groups are winning people to Jesus and they're becoming disciples in the fellowship of believers, and they're growing in their faith, and they're reaching out to make other disciples, then you may not need cell groups. And if you're winning people to Christ and building them in their faith so they grow to maturity in Christ, which is what Jesus told us to do, is to make disciples. If your church is doing that, then I like what you're doing. And it doesn't, ma doesn't matter to me whether you've got a traditional structure or a cell group structure or some other way of doing it. Now, perhaps I'm speaking too much like a pragmatic American, but I would suggest to you that, that I'm actually talking to you from a very biblical perspective. Jesus is the one that clarified what kind of results do we need to get. And Jesus gives us some freedom in terms of how we get those results. So hear me very well up front that I'm not saying that everybody has to do cell groups. I am suggesting that every church needs to make disciples. I will live and die for that one. I will not live and die for one approach. Now, let me say one other thing. Even if you cannot see how you can adopt cell groups in your church, I strongly urge you to listen very carefully to what I'm going to be sharing in this next day and a half because you will discover numbers of key ministry principles that will, in fact, apply in any context, no matter what the, the model of ministry you're using. So even if you don't adopt a cell group structure, there are some foundational principles that are woven throughout this model that I'm going to be sharing with you that you need to know so that you can apply those principles in your situation, even though you're going to use a different model of ministry. Are you all with me? Or at least, or at least more than 50% with me. <laughs> How many want to say, let's go? One of the privileges that God has given to me is the opportunity to travel in many, many different countries, so I've seen many, many different models of cell groups. So I'm not going to give you the Korean model, nor the model that's used in, in Singapore, nor the one that's in Hong Kong, or in South America, or in uh, Czechoslovakia. Uh, I'm going to give you one that takes a look at the generic principles that God is using in all of these models. One thing I do want to make clear from the beginning is that this is not a model that comes from the United States. This is a model that comes from the third world. And it's a model that, by the way, is, is, is working and starting to work here in Germany as well. The interesting thing is, is a few years ago, I was traveling in what was then known as Czechoslovakia. It was before the revolutions happened. And I went to visit one particular pastor. And I began to talk with him and found out that he was doing cell groups. And as I interviewed him, I was amazed 
Because every single question I asked him is as if he was giving answers from my lecture notes. It intrigued me so much, I explored every single detail of the model that he was using. And right down to the very details it was described. And I said, who else have you talked with about this stuff? He says, no one. These were the days when it was hard to get in and see people. So I said, how is it that you came to this particular approach? He said, well, I was praying, and this is sort of what God has guided me to do in prayer. And I said to him, with tears in my eyes, what you are describing is how God has led you. God is leading churches from many different countries all over the whole world to do. And I encourage him to, to continue to seek the Lord's guidance. I told him there are still a couple of things that you need to learn and to implement in your system. I said, but I'm not going to tell you what they are. You just pray and God will, and ask God to show you, and in, in God's time, he will show you, and when he shows you, then do it. One thing I have learned as a consultant, when God is at work, don't mess it up. And so this guy was doing a good job listening to the Holy Spirit guide him, so I decided the wisest thing to do is just let him continue that process. And I found out that within six months, he had figured out what the two things were and had implemented them in his church. I don't always do that. Sometimes I actually give some input. But I guess all this to say is that I could tell you story after story, including one of my own, where God is seeming to, to do a new thing. And I believe that God is laying a foundation for a great revival that's going to come, that's going to be able to bring in a harvest that's unbelievable. So that's what I want to talk with you about.